This podcast may contain inaccurate information, bad language, and spoilers. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony art. It's time for Agony Art. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Art. Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a Welcome to Agony Art, the Agony Art podcast in which we try to solve your problems not using our own brain power, no way, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve those problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name is Aaron, I'm an author and an occasional reader of books, and I've got Carl, our film fan, and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our studio which was once a bedroom and in many ways still is <laughs> studio bedroom two there's still a bed in it we are all in bed at the moment <laughs> yeah well beds uh, famously have very good uh, sound cushioning technology mm. and bottom cushioning and head cushioning <laughs> <laughs> when you see um footage of like big record recording artists recording their new albums and whatever you often see just beds lining the walls. Well, Daniel Bedingfield famously recorded an album in his bedroom, didn't he? Why no, do you think he, he was in his bedroom? He recorded it in a field of bedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the acoustics were so good. So, lads, I feel a bit underprepared for today's episode because one of my one of the problems that we're going to solve for our listeners today. Literally, all I've got written next to it is the name of the book. So I'm wondering if you two are going to carry me this episode. Are you well prepared, or? Well, usually, I'm. I'll, if I'm struggling with one, I'll think, you know what? I'll just say a small piece. Like I think in last week's episode, you literally just said a girl with the dragon tattoo, Aaron, and that was all you said. <laughs> and luckily, me and Liam had content to pull us through. So usually that happens. But I don't know whether this week's problems are tricky for us, but. I'm in the same boat. I've actually got three examples, but not really prepped where I'm going with them. So hopefully Liam is prepped enough to carry us both through. I just want to get something straight. So not only have you not read any books, this time you haven't even bothered researching any books. No, but that's why I've only written the book title for that problem, because I have read that book. So I know what it's about. and (laughs) I'm figuring I can wing it. But as Carl said in the last episode... I said I could wing the girl with the dragon tattoo, and that's why I didn't write it down in advance. But then when I got to it, I was like, fuck knows what that's about. (laughs) (laughs) This happened to me very early on in the podcast where I talked about the Godfather in one episode, and I thought, I've seen that thousands of times. And when it comes to describing the plot, I just went, I just just couldn't do it. And I was like, fuck, I can't wing it sometimes. There's this guy, and he's... He's a godfather. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I struggle enough when the words are written down in front of me, mm. or at least you know the cues. I'm I, I'm I'm more of a cue person than a script person. How are you uh, um, soloing in the music world? <laughs> in the music world, yeah. Uh, when I'm in in a band, off on, an, off on a trip to the music world, <laughs> uh, I occasionally solo. Yeah, I'm quite a fan of. Are your solos planned, or do you just solo? He has to have a cue, so someone has to say, Solo! 
<laughs> yeah, and if they don't do that, I just carry on playing chords. <laughs> but seriously, can you solo like off the cuff? I can, but similar to the podcast, I think it sounds better when I plan what I'm going to do beforehand. Not necessarily to note perfect, but at least have an idea of the general structure yeah. of what I'm going to say or play. So I think because in my musical association with Liam, I feel like you can. Like I think I've seen you solo just like just play something. And so I think you need to apply that confidence to uh, your podcasting. It's solo a problem, Liam. The problem- Do you want us, to- <laughs> after we've listed the problems today, to go, solo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you go into your problem solving. <laughs> I think that would definitely help. So, so I think, you know, I'm willing to accept some of it as confidence. But also, I'm not very good at speaking in general <laughs> particularly when oh, i yeah. feel like good point <laughs> particularly when i feel like i'm on the spot my mm. brain just tends to shut down and i'm like oh what was i going to say i don't know yeah. so and then it becomes a mental thing doesn't yeah. it because you start to panic mm. you think wait a minute i should be speaking right now oh shit why are you not speaking <laughs> and then before you know it you shit your pants <laughs> on stage in front of the whole school and your teeth are falling out. <laughs> the cleaning up required after a podcasting session is just <laughs> abysmal. <laughs> All right, great. Well, let's move on. <laughs> now, before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we are not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All our submissions are certified 100% trivial and or fictional pickles. And our advice should almost never be followed. After all, the biggest problem we've had to solve this week was cleaning up Liam's shit <laughs> after he's panicked during a solo. <laughs> Poor Liam got the brunt of that. I know, I'm so the, sorry. The one Liam. that did prepare. <laughs> I know, yeah. To be fair, yeah, he's going to be cleaning up our shit when we fail him this episode. <laughs> Uh, we're really only here to have fun, so if you're having a really hard time, please go to our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So, with that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here's the first problem of the day. I'm sick of being the only one who arranges events for my group of friends. We hardly ever see each other anymore, and it's all because the only time we ever do are times that I've had to organise. And when I do put something together, all they do is moan that it's too expensive or it's inconvenient. I know we're all adults and everyone has their own busy lives, but if we don't have time for each other, then what's the point in calling ourselves friends? Some of them are so ungrateful and antisocial that I'm thinking of giving it up altogether. But then I'll probably never see my friends again. How can I make them see that maintaining our friendships is everybody's responsibility and not just mine? This is kind of similar to a problem we had last week, isn't it? Where it, Well, it's not similar to the problem, but we had a similar discussion where we were talking about how we, as friends, are now at a point where we only see each other every few months, mm. but we're still friends. And we're, it works for us, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, what worries me about this is... Uh, you I think have, we're drifting apart? I've never thought... Reading this question, I've never thought this in my life... And it occurs to me that I never make any effort to maintain friendships. So somebody probably thinks it's about me. <laughs> um, neither do I. We are. We might be in danger of going, getting to the point where we don't see each other barely at all, while still being friends. 
But it's always good when we meet up, isn't it? Let's face it, we always have a good time. Mm. So, And I think that's when you kind of know that your friendship is mature, I would say. Like when cheese. you don't mind, yeah, like a smelly cheese. <laughs> <laughs> You're my stinking bishops. <laughs> and that's why you Put your stinking bishops away. <laughs> That's, that's why you don't mind not seeing Carl that often, because he fucking stinks of cheese. <laughs> um, when you can, uh, well, for a start, I, I'm i going to go out there straight away and say that I don't think that the person who wrote this problem is very mature. <laughs> because I think a mature person can hear from their friends, no thanks, I don't want to go to that, and move on from it in an instant. Just go... <laughs> Oh, okay. You can come next time and go out with the friends who did say yes. Hmm. It seems like they're throwing a strop that sometimes their friends can't make it or their their whole group has to be there. And some of them aren't making an effort. If it matters that much to you, maybe you should get some new friends that do meet your high standards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See problem three last week. (laughs) Before we start solving their problem for them. Uh, should we think of a name? So I'm going to explain it just every few episodes just to remind our listeners, even though all of our listeners are loyal fans that have been around since the beginning. <laughs> Hello, um, our wives. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is we get sent in problems from all sorts of listeners and they might include their names, they might not. But either way, we don't use your names if you send your problems in. We anonymize you by giving you a name that's of a similar theme. Maybe a character from a film or a book that's had the same problem. Or sometimes just a random name, like when we chose Evil Knievel. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, that's what we're doing now. So, names, lads. Who's got friends? David Schwimmer. Let's go Ross. 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 Yeah, I like David Schwimmer in general. Yeah, no, he's a good guy. I loved him as... um, Mr. Kardashian. Yeah, in the People versus OJ. Juice, please. This is Kimmy's room. Juice, please. I always say to my wife, Juice, please. <laughs> Juice, please. Let's have some hunker chunker. <laughs> and she's like, don't call me Juice and don't call me hunker chunker. <laughs> um, so, who wants to solve the problem first? I know, Liam. Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so Aaron, pretty early on, you went straight in on the victim blaming there. So I'm going to pull it back a bit and temper that. So I think what's needed here is I think you need to make it clear to your friends how you feel. I think you need a moment of raw, naked emotion. You need to get your friends together and you need to let them see that you're hurting. And a great big world released a song in 2013 that I think will help you here. And it's called Say Something. You Remember this song, presumably? Who's it by? Uh, a great big world. Say something good to me. No. <laughs> it was made much more famous after it was initially released because it was featuring a very famous singer. Roy Carey? No, kind of ballparkish. <laughs> there is a song. I'm sure she got a song called Say I don't something. know why I said ballparkish. It's not really ballparkish. It was Christina Aguilera. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Big, big hitter. Oh, yeah. maybe, it's, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. They both got powerful voices yes. and I think unusual ranges, haven't they? Yeah. Um, Mariah Carey famously has a five octave range, yeah. I think. Oof. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah. What's um, sing it? Sing a little bit. What, of a five octave range? Yeah. The main refrain... 
Oh my god. We've lost him. <laughs> the, the main refrain of this song is the repeated line Say something, I'm giving up. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> I've got to talk now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you can't talk to the end of the podcast. <laughs> and, and that's a heartfelt plea to the other half of, the, of a failing relationship to, to do something to save it. So I've not got a great deal to say on this. So this is a, a short solo. Um, but sometimes... <laughs> to be fair, we've made more. it quite long already. <laughs> <Yeah>. Interruptions. <laughs> sometimes your interruptions are welcome. <laughs> um, but the... I mean, I think what I'm saying here is honesty is the best policy. And if you're open with your friends about how you feel and you say, you know, you're honest with them and you say, I need you to do something here because I'm giving up on this relationship, then... If they really are your good friends, and they'll be there for you, you know, like they've been there before, Ross, and they will listen. Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so is this to try and save their friendship? Yeah. That he's talking to them, Ross? Yeah. Yeah? Because, you know, this is how the problem comes across. It's what if like- they say it's not... I'm just not that into the friendship anymore. Like, if it's easy for me to see you, I'll see you, because I don't mind your company... But I'm not going to go out of my way to save this friendship. What then? What then, Liam? What then? But then, what then? They, you know, if, Liam, what then? If you had Liam, a friend, Liam, what then? If, if you had a friend, Solo. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a friend, <laughs> I haven't got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that clip to shit. Didn't <laughs> yeah, but it's alright. If um, if if you had a friend, a single friend, yeah. <laughs> one who, single friend, who, you're stretching yeah. the imagination right now. <laughs> <laughs> who said to you? You said, you know, do you want to meet up? And then they said, no, not really. And then you were like, you said to them, look, I really don't feel like you're making an effort here. And they said, oh, well, don't worry then. You know, don't want to be friends anymore. You just say, all right, whatever. It doesn't come across like that, like, just going for a drink. Because you say, I can't then, but what about this date? Maybe. This is, I've organised this. Why aren't you coming? That's yeah. how I'm getting it. Is it? Yeah, what mm. do you mean you don't like go-karting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it sounds like this person's trying too hard to make things fun. Organised mm. fun. Yeah. Which is sometimes good. Like, you know, if we... You kind of need a loose plan when you go out. Otherwise, you just mm. roam the street. Or for like a birthday. I like it mm. when someone organises something cool and fun for their birthday. Yeah. But every time you meet up... Oh, exactly. What an effort. Sometimes I just want it to be down the pub. And you, you're, <laughs> you're going along a... You know, a, it's, it's a downward slope, I think, organised fun. Because before you know it, it might be a bit darker. So, 2012, Hunger the Games. Film. Oh. <laughs> That's dark. Yeah, the world <laughs> might end, yeah. <laughs> we got past 2012 with the world, didn't end. But in 2012, also, the Hunger Games come out. Directed by Gary Ross, actually. Ross? Ross. I've got nothing written down for this, so I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> well, Solo! <laughs> <laughs> have you both um, read or watched the Hunger Games? Yep, read all three, watched all four. <laughs> I've watched some of them on telly. I was um, yesterday, actually, um, one of them, the Mockingjay Part 2. Is that the fourth one then? That was on TV. And I said to my wife, at the time, when it's a big thing, you do a Part 2 to eke it out. Like, let's make this, mm. like, let's get another film out of this. But, like, nine years later, you're like, Mockingjay Part 2? What the fuck is a Part 2? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it doesn't stand the test of time. Yeah, and that's by far the worst book as well. The book is like 
almost dreadful. Yeah, it? it's so really bad. Bad, so mm. boring, and it was like it's boring enough as a book to make it two films. Mm. The wheels fall off that book. Mm. I'm going to really anger some Hunger Games fans here. You don't like any of it. I had. The... I wasn't hungry for the Hunger Games. <laughs> Just wasn't hungry. <laughs> I had the a boxed book set. A book box set? How do you say that? A box book set. A book one. set. <laughs> a book set. <laughs> um, I bought of all of the books and I didn't never opened it. It sat on my shelf for probably about seven years. And when we started cleaning out the flat one year... I just, just decided to throw it away because I thought I'd never going to read it. And to this day, I haven't read it. Nice. You've really angered thousands upon thousands yeah. of Hunger Games. All of the Suzanne They're going to be like, Collins? stop him soloing. <laughs> Definitely a fad though, isn't it? Like you don't. Yeah. It's not like a book that's going to be a classic forever. No. Nah. The first two were decent. but um, So you know the premise. There's these districts in post-apocalyptic world-ish. Yeah, there's been some kind future. of civil war in the US, haven't there? And... Yeah. Um, it gets the, broken up into districts. You've got the capital and, in the middle and then nine districts as you go out weird, yeah, and on a bullet train. Was it nine? I thought it was like 13. Wasn't she from District 13? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of District 9, the uh, film. <laughs> and then there's these prawns everywhere. <laughs> you got a damn prawn? <laughs> um, uh, and in typical melodramatic young adult style, it's not just like standard oppression. That no. they inflict on these districts. They make them play out a game every year. Yeah, so this is organised fun for everyone else. <laughs> so every year they pick two people from each district to compete in the Hunger Games where they have a battle royale in a dome and the winner is the last district surviving. Okay. But it is quite fun in the battle bus beforehand, isn't it? Hmm. Flying over the city. Yeah. Yeah, and then you parachute down. <laughs> find some weapons yeah you've got to find um, some loot I normally yeah. just hide, hide in, in a bush, bush yeah. <laughs> Aaron has actually won a game of Fortnite hiding in the bush the whole no, time no I came second I've oh, never did, won a game yeah. oh, shit. I was there with you you, dra- you carried me along did you win then? no <laughs> um, yeah so this is how far organised fun can go like you know they think you know, this, <laughs> do you this, think that's how it started? I think this is how it started President Snow was like yeah. guys no one None of my friends want to play with me, so I'm going to organise a tournament and make friends that way. Everyone will be my friend, otherwise they'll die. So I think this is a very, very rocky road. It's slippery slope. One minute, your friends organising go-karting and flight club, and the next, they're getting you all to fight to the death. (laughs) You can see it, can't you? It's It's in the future. So I think you need to chill out a little bit. Don't try and organise it too much. Be like, when's everybody free? Should we meet up? Let's just go for a drink. You know, it hasn't got to be organised. You haven't got to see people all the time. If you feel like that, I think there's a problem. I'm not trying not trying to victim blame, but you need to sort out the problem with you if you need to see people. Maybe you're not comfortable in your own skin and not, you know, you can't be on your own. So find out what that problem is and deal with that. Mm. I can't get over this uh, not being able to take your friends saying no thing. Like, if they don't want to come, just leave them to it. Some people just... really struggle in their own company, though, don't they? Like, mm. do you know people that, if they're on their own, if their other half goes out, they have to, like, go to someone else's house or they have to organise something themselves kind of thing, you know? I There's nothing I like more than just sitting watching Brave Fight in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> At Christmas. <laughs> 
very cool battle, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I agree, Carl, and that's the crux of my point as well. I'm going to talk about Stoner by John Williams now. Moving on to problem two. <laughs> yeah, Do you mean famous jazz guitarist John Williams? I bet he's good at soloing. Uh, no, I don't. Oh, oh he's good. Jason Derulo. At soloing? He's always wearing a solo. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, so, Stoner by John Williams. <laughs> Now, when you listen, when you hear that title of that book, what would you think that book's about? Someone with long hair, really into their grunge music. Yeah. I always thought that, that it would be about a stoner. But it's about a man named John Stoner. Oh. Oh. I thought it might be an um, ancient Greek slinger throwing stones. No. <laughs> as far as I remember, there is not one stone or bag of marijuana <laughs> in the whole book. Um it's about... It's a bit misleading, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, mm. I bought it expecting stones and... <laughs> stoners. <laughs> stones and stoners. It's about basically a life story of this bloke called... Um... Oh, wait a minute. No, it's William Stoner. Sorry. I got John from the John Williams wrote the book. <laughs> it's basically his life story. It tells his story from uh, school to university and then he becomes a teacher and his marriage and how that subsequently falls apart and his um, work life and stuff like that. It basically is just a whole life story. It's quite, I think it's a fairly long book. Not like epic, but it's epic in scope rather than size because it is really ambitious because that sounds boring, doesn't it? The life of just <laughs> some bloke who lived a normal Billy life. Billy Stoner. But <laughs> old Billy Stoner <laughs> from down the school. But... It's actually really good, which is like a testament to someone's writing skills, isn't it? Um, but anyway, he has friends who come in and out of his life. He meets these two guys at um, graduate school, one of whom dies in a war. I think it's World War Two, World War One, one of the world wars. <laughs> <laughs> when is this set? When? When is this? Film? During both of those. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's well. It says here he was born in. 1891. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. yeah. Um, I should think it would be World War One then because, you know, they'd be recruitment age at that point. And anyway, one of them dies in World War One. The other one kind of comes in and out of his life. I think it ends up being his boss. And the the end of the book, it's... Um, you kind of end up, as I say, it's quite boring <laughs> reading about someone's just a normal guy's life story. But at the same time, it's not because... You end up feeling for him because he's kind of treated badly by some people. He makes mistakes that he regrets. And you, as I say, the writing is so good that it's almost like my summary of this plot. <laughs> uh, it's a real testament to a good podcast. <laughs> the writing's so good that you kind of empathise with him even though it's not, you know, action-packed and blah, blah, blah. My point being, John... Magahern, sorry John, for that name butchering, <laughs> said that Stoner is a novel about work. Not only traditional work, such as Stoner's life on the farm and his career as a professor, but also the work one puts into life and relationships. My point is... I suppose you could relate to some theme in the book, right? Pretty much everyone can, if it's about yeah. normal life, right? And that's Yeah, exactly. And that's probably what he was playing at. This bastard. 
<laughs> you, you play that, John. <laughs> the point is that, yes, we have to put work in to make relationships work. And that can be friendships, that can be, uh, you know, marriages, whatever. Sometimes people don't want to put the work in anymore. And people are going to come in and out of your life like Stoner's friends did. And you're just going to have to accept that, I'm afraid, writer. What did we call him again? Ross. Because you can't control people. They're, they're adults as well. If they want to move on with their life, go in different directions, maybe they'll come back later and say, I'm so sorry. I really loved you organizing all those organized funds. I loved the game where we all had to kill each other. It was great fun. <laughs> Can we do it again? <laughs> Or maybe they won't. Maybe you'll find new friends. I think probably you're right, Carl. Probably this person kind of has trouble being alone and doesn't want to and wants to fill all their time. Maybe, Ironically, you know, they will just be alone if they keep on like this. Yeah, if you get all your friends to kill each other off. <laughs> so I just think you need to find a way of accepting that people are going to come in and out of your life and stop trying to control everything and make them have fun with you. So we started off by saying Ross is the most annoying friend and mm. we're finishing off by saying, Ross, you are the most annoying friend. Mm. <laughs> Get over it, Ross. <laughs> We've proved our own point. Mm. <laughs> well done, guys. That was great work. I had a dream. It was a curious thing. A wonderful podcast presenter's problem solved for me. They helped me with my miserable life. I had a fresh new start. But alas, when I awoke, all I could find was agony Alright, let's move on to problem two. My brother will never apologise for anything. Even when he's done something horrible, and everyone agrees that it was horrible, and he can see that I'm upset, he will not say sorry. Recently, we had such a bad argument that we didn't talk for a week. And afterwards, he even admitted that he was wrong, but still wouldn't apologise. How do I fix this major malfunction? Are you too good at apologising? Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah? Yeah. You, sometimes you don't need to apologise, you just can tactically grovel. <laughs> I'm... That sounds like you're not very good at apologising. <laughs> Sometimes I can even avoid I, it. I don't know if I'm good at apologising because I'm never wrong. So. <laughs> that does help. Let's call this person Liam then, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what advice have we got for Liam? I won't say solo again because you <laughs> went first last time, Liam. Well, I'm, this person sounds exactly like one of the most vilest characters in Game of Thrones. Book and screen. Can you? Who do you think that is? Alice Fawn. No, there's <laughs> a reach for it. <laughs> His house. Is it Bolton? the Mad King? Oh, Bruce. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ramsey, Ramsey Bolton. Ramsey Bolton. So Ramsey Bolton. Does he not apologise? I don't hear him say sorry once, Liam. Do you? He no. never admits he's in the wrong either, though, does he? No, but I think he knows he's pretty much in the wrong when he's flaying people alive and cutting their knobs off. <laughs> <laughs> so Ramsey Bolton, he does some. He's a bastard, isn't he? Which gives him a complex already. He's also an illegitimate child, isn't he? So <laughs> low. <laughs> <laughs> so because he's in the north, when he's a, when you're a bastard in the north, you're called Snow. So he's Ramsey Snow, but he gets um, unbastardized. 
This <laughs> legitimised, I think is the word. Actually. Yeah. I think I prefer unbastardised though. <laughs> and he gets made a Bolton by his dad because his dad hasn't got an heir. Um, Bruce Bolton. And some of the things he does, like he, like I'm so, well, you know, I've read the book and I've watched the show and I can't remember which is, which is in which, but, you know, he hunts people with his dogs. Mm. He, um, Makes Sansa's life an absolute hell. He marries her, doesn't it? Did he marry Sansa? He does in the show. He doesn't in the book. doesn't in the book. He marries San- someone pretending to be Sansa in the book. Yeah. Um, and makes her life hell, beats her. He treats um, Reek from the book and then, um, what's his name? Theon. Theon Greyjoy, like shit, and cuts his knob off. Mm. Um, some pretty terrible stuff. He, f- he thinks that he's surrounded by... Like uh, loyal people that are like with him on the whole thing, including his dogs. He starves his dogs that so they'll tear people apart. But he gets his comeuppance, like all bastards do. You know, he loses the Battle of the Bastards, although he's winning for a while. Um, but he doesn't count on Sansa calling in the cavalry, which is um, Littlefinger and the Knights of the Vale. Knights of the Vale. So yeah, he comes to the rescue, so he ends up losing the Battle of the Bastards. And then he retreats into Winterfell, which he's taken from the Starks. And as we know, um, 1-1, the giant. It's 1-1, isn't it? The giant. Yeah. That so. like Jon Snow's tamed. Opens the door. He takes a bullet in the eye and dies. Not a bullet, a bow from bow and arrow. <laughs> um, Ramsey pulls out a gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're brought, a gun. brought a gun to a medieval fight. <laughs> Obviously, just before the battle, he's killed um, Rickon Stark, isn't he? By making him run. And this is a whole big diagonal debate. Why don't you run any diagonals, Rickon? <laughs> <laughs> Would you think of that if you had to run for your life? Would you run Probably any not, no. no. People always say that about, um, I think it's alligators. If you're being chased by an alligator, running zigzags. But I think it's been debunked. Mm. Basically, they will run faster than you in a straight line intersecting your zigzags basically <laughs> and just eat you anyway in um have you seen the film apocalypto no it's mel gibson isn't mel it? gibson directs it he's not in it which is weird for mel gibson um and it's yeah, he was jesus in passion of the christ <laughs> <wasn't> it? <laughs> um, it's a great film actually it's set in um south america tribal times like inca aztec all that kind of stuff and there's a there's exactly the same thing in that and the guy does run in diagonals but the guy just realises he's doing that and aims for the diagonal and shoots him in the face. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, Ramsey Bolton loses Battle of the Bastards. 1-1 opens the gate. They all come in. Uh, Jon Snow's about to batter him, like absolutely destroy him. And then Sansa stops him. And Sansa's like, no, no, no. Let's put him in prison. Because she wants to be even worse and uh, let his dogs eat him alive. And um, he says, my loyal dogs won't harm me. Sure, you haven't fed them for seven days. So, and then they do eat him alive. And he still doesn't say sorry. But if you're a bastard, he's going to come back to bite you at some point. So, mm. why am I saying this to you and not your brother? Maybe you should let your brother listen to that. Say, call him Ramsey Bolton, see what mm. he says, and say, You're a bastard, and my dog's going to eat you if you don't change your ways. Which is basically the plot to Justin Timberlake's. Goes around, goes around, goes around, <laughs> comes a long way back around. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was about Ramsey Bolton, that song. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of artists have documented the difficulties people have when apologising. 
1976, Elton John recorded Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. Uh, I'm not apologising better than I ever did. I don't know how you can say that and be like, Sorry seems to be the hardest word. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should be more like... <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> that one seems to be there. It's sad, isn't it? Friends with Laurie. So sad. <laughs> it's a sad, sad situation. Uh, and it's getting more and more absurd. <laughs> In 1982, Chicago released It's Hard For Me To Say I'm Sorry. Both of these songs... Famously, baby, please don't go. Well, famously in one case, not so famously in the other case, covered by UK boy bands. Uh, you remember who did? Sorry, seems to be the hardest word. Is it not Will Young and someone? No, or Gareth Blue. Gates. It, it was Blue, Blue and Elton, and Elton John. John. That's it. Yeah. And uh, it's hard for me to say I'm sorry. It was covered by Westlife in 2007. B side to their I'm single sorry. Home. Was that? I wonder if that was around the same time they were trying to break America. Well, do you remember? Well, post break America, they moved to fifty percent covers, didn't they? So mm. probably just mm. after, yeah. Maybe your brother does find it genuinely difficult, and maybe if you listen to a couple of these songs, you know, you could hear it from his perspective. <laughs> but alternatively, you know, and I think, you know, I think this might be good advice. You you could try and be, you know, the bigger person like Patty Austin was in also in nineteen seventy six actually. And tell him that you don't have to say you're sorry. So this is a oh, song. This is a good song. You don't have to say you're sorry just because I did. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't written down the lyrics. So I, I can't remember Believe off the top of my head. Me. Is that a song? Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh. So it's from her 1976 album, End of a Rainbow. And it's a, it's a song about forgiveness, sort of. So some of the choice lyrics from it are... You don't have to say you're sorry. It's a silly game that children play. I don't need those words. I know you care. But every time she sings that line uh, at the end of the chorus, you don't have to say you're sorry. She ends it with, but I sure wish you would, which kind of puts a different spin on it. It's like a little bit passive aggressive almost. You know, like, you don't have to say you're sorry, but, you know, time's time. Be nice, be nice. If, <laughs> nice if you fucking did every now and then. So maybe... My advice for this one, maybe just play that song, have it run in the background and, uh, you know, give a little point Be. to the stereo every time that line comes up. <laughs> yeah, just stare double, at double passive aggressive. <laughs> just stare at them. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Eating Crow by Jay Rayner. It's also known as The Apologist. I'm not sure why it's got two titles. I think it was changed for one of the editions. Jay Rayner is also like the food um, critic on um, MasterChef. Well, this is by him. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh, sick. Uh, and it's about a restaurant critic, but it is fiction. Um, <clears throat> restaurant critic Mark Bassett writes a review so harsh that it causes a restaurant owner to kill himself. And Bassett feels so bad that he sets off on a mission to apologise to everyone for everything bad he's ever done. Which reminded me of... Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No. <laughs> he does do that, doesn't he? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, my name is Earl. Oh, yeah. my name is Earl. Oh, yeah. It's the whole premise, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's not that. <laughs> this isn't the book that was based on. <laughs> anyway, he finds it so exhilarating, apologising to people that he's wronged, that 
he makes like a career of it and ends up as the official apologist of the United Nations. So, maybe you should buy your brother a copy of this book in Liam's uh, passive-aggressive style (laughs) and just leave it out for him to read and be like, "Mm, maybe you should learn something from this book. And if you do apologise, you'll get a sick job. Yeah, you'll end up working at the UN. Um, Or... Maybe your brother already did read this book and decided that apologising is really fucking boring because the reviews on Goodreads <laughs> say that that, say that it's boring. It's about the tedium of apologising, says one review. It's a satirical book with only one real joke that cannot make itself large, last the 430 pages of the book, says another. And another, a third said... My reading time is so precious, I just can't waste it on this garbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. So maybe your brother has read that book, realises that if he apologised to everyone, he'd be boring everyone to death. So he just doesn't do it anymore. So my advice is to leave him out a copy of that book, but don't be surprised when <laughs> he throws it in your face and says, this is boring. So I'm apologising to you. So sorry for making me Apologise for making me read it. <laughs> you, can, you can tell we're all winging it in this episode because every single piece of advice has been, well, this piece of art is vaguely related to your situation. Why don't you give him that? <laughs> Liam, people have paid good money for this episode. We're not winging it at all. We've worked really hard for this content. This is the winging it special. <laughs> Chicken wing, anyone? <laughs> Okay, problem three. My friend seems desperate to be famous. She's tried being a singer in a band, acting in Amdram groups, writing, painting, and even... Wait a minute. Is this directed at us? (laughs) Even podcasting. What? (laughs) And she flits from one creative thing to the next as if she won't be happy till she finds one that makes her rich and adored. I wouldn't mind, except I have to pretend to like all her exceedingly average songs, poems, paintings and plays all the time. And it's exhausting. How do I tell her she'll never be able to give up the day job without hurting her feelings? Wow. I feel personally attacked. I was going to say, do you paint? (laughs) (laughs) I would paint if I had enough time and artistic skill <laughs> this isn't this isn't aimed at us because we will be rich and famous off of this podcast that's we know, true actually so, yeah. yeah yeah when <laughs> well don't ask silly questions Liam. <laughs> just believe in the product so let's think of a name to anonymize this person it's none of us obviously no, no. agony <laughs> artists yeah in fact yeah who's an artist van gogh da vinci. vincent Vin- Vinny. Vinny. Vinny Jones. Vinny Jones. Artist. <laughs> Greatest artist football, of our age. Football artist. And I haven't started a problem this week, have I? So mm. I'll just dive in head first. Now, I'm going to say, Vinny, that you're being out of order. Vinny, you're being fucking out of order, mate. He doesn't even talk like that, does he? <laughs> that was the same as my Danny Dyer impression. Yeah, you have to do from extras. Do you think you're harder than me, Kemp? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, no, Vinny, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's bad mouthing him behind his back. Um, do you know what they call the S? Do you know why they call the SAS? Because they're the super army <laughs> soldiers. <laughs> yeah, so Vinny, I think you're being out of order. And I think you might be like, what makes you think that your friend is desperate to be famous just because she's doing all these creative things? Personally, as someone who has been a singer in a band, acted in <laughs> Amdram groups, written, I haven't painted, but as I just said, I would if I had the you time. You do design t shirts for the podcast, though. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> podcasting. I think creative people, people who are, have a creative inclination, just want to be creative in any way they can. That doesn't mean they want to be famous. They just might want to be, you know, enjoy their time being creative. So, to prove that, I'm going to tell you about loads of people who dabble in loads of things and are just very creative people. Hashtag winging it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've, I've researched these <laughs> and I've got loads of them. Is one of them you? <laughs> uh, one of them is Aaron from Agony Art. Super successful. <laughs> Uh, Jim Moa, or Moya, I'm not sure how to pronounce it because Adam Buxton pronounced it. Pronounced it <laughs> Moya, I think. Do you know who Jim Moya is? I'm thinking about um, Vic Reeves, but it's yep. not it. Is it? That's it. Oh. Yeah. No, I was thinking Moira Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim Moira Stewart. <laughs> uh, Vic Reeves is a comedian, actor, painter. And writer. He's written three books, including Vic Reeves' vast book of world knowledge, which is, I think is a book full of just bullshit about the world, <laughs> which is nonsense. Just like Vic Reeves' comedy. Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, obviously very famous for kind of nonsense, off-the-wall comedy. Steve Martin, also a comedian, actor, writer, banjo player. Yes, he's got like albums and stuff, doesn't yeah. he? And he wrote a novella called Shop Girl, which was adapted into a film starring Claire Danes. And... <laughs> he said that's the height of success. <laughs> Claire Danes! <laughs> <laughs> that girl from that one film. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Now, to be fair, she was in um, Homeland as well, wasn't she? Yeah, she Claire was. Danes, yeah. yeah. And his memoir, Born Standing Up, was one of 2010's top 10 non-fiction books, according to Time magazine. So people think of him as just a comedian, but he's dabbled in loads of creative things. Rick Mayle, comedian, writer, poet. Check out his poetry on YouTube, because it's amazing. And I read his, what I thought was an autobiography called Bigger Than Hitler, Better Than Christ, but... On Wikipedia, it says it's semi-autobiographical, so I don't know which parts of it were lies <laughs> now that I've um, seen that. But Rick Mail, I fucking love Rick Mail, and he was the first I celebrity who I was genuinely upset when they died. Like, most celebrities, I just think, like, it doesn't touch you, does it? It's not... It doesn't affect your life in any way. So you think, oh, that's a shame. And then you move on. But with him, I was like, fuck. Yeah. I'll never see Rick Mail be funny again. Him, Robin Williams and Alan Rickman were my like three. And recently, Sean Locke made me feel like that as well. Yes, yeah. Do you know Rick Mail in Blackadder as Mm. Lord Flashart? Woof. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say, what does he say again? The word. Yeah. Yeah, It's just just like like our humour exactly like, in my pants. (laughs) Woof. (laughs) But... um, we, my little boy has the fantastic Mr. Fox um, 
story audio tape and it's read by Chris O'Dowd I think mm. and he does Mr. Fox basically Lord Flash he goes come on let's let's dig <laughs> and when me and my wife listen we go like woof <laughs> it's brilliant yeah love Rick Mel. Uh Stephen Fry megastar of comedy mega acting documentaries film radio he's written dozens of books literally dozens including Mythos and Heroes, which you and I have talked about on the mm. podcast, Liam. And there's a third one out now. Yeah. Uh, it's just called Troy. Tea. Troy, yeah. that's right. It does begin with T. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to some of Mythos. I really like it. Yeah, it's really mm. good. Mm. Spike Milligan, comedian, poet, writer, actor, also painted and drew cartoons. And during World War II, he performed as a jazz vocalist, guitarist and trumpeter. So all these people... Dabbling in loads of creative pursuits. Spike Milligan, I really recommend his poetry collections. Um, again, total nonsense. Yeah, and really good. Yeah, you served me giggling all over the shop when I was a kid. And still do, to be honest. So, all of the people I picked were comedians, but once I got started on the comedian rabbit hole, you just fall down it, don't you? So, my point being, ease off on your friend a bit. The fact that she's doing all of these things doesn't necessarily mean she's desperate to be famous. She might just be a creative person. She wants to be creative. If you listen to some of the shit songs that I've written over the years, you'd think that I was a dickhead as well. And in fact, if you listen to this podcast, you might already think that. (laughs) I think you're right, Aaron. I think the person here is trying to dampen the spirit of their friend. What do we call them? Liam. Vinnie Jones. Vinnie. Vinnie Jones. Not Liam. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, stop trying to dampen our spirits. <laughs> like, it's it's the old adage, isn't it? How do you know you're Jimi Hendrix if you don't pick up a guitar? Right. Is that an old adage? Yeah. It doesn't predate Jimi Hendrix, though, does it? It does. Did actually. someone say that to yeah. Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> 2,000 years ago, <laughs> in hieroglyphs, you can see it in a pyramid. <laughs> you, you do know if you're not Jimi Hendrix, though, don't you? How do you know? Unless you know? you've picked up a guitar. <laughs> well, I'm I'm Liam. It's Until you like pick a... up a guitar, then it's like solo. It's a bit Fuck like Power Rangers. It's a bit like Power Rangers. When you pick up a guitar, you morph into um, Jimi <laughs> Hendrix. If you're Jimi Hendrix, and then and you if... can have the mega Jimi Hendrix, where you and your friends all join together with guitars. If you form a good band, yeah. There always has to be a Jimi Hendrix as well. It's like when one dies, then it, someone yeah. else has to carry on the mantle. It's like the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like you don't know if you. How do you know you've got talent if you don't find it? You know, mm. like Aaron picked up a guitar, realised he didn't have any. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've tried all these different things since, and still found yeah. that I've got none. Yeah, <laughs> you still join the podcast though. <laughs> but Liam, you know, if you hadn't have uh, been fostered into music. Yeah, then I wouldn't have known that I was... You wouldn't be the talent you are today. (laughs) (laughs) You are talented. Um, So something along these lines is uh, Rocket Man from... uh, Was it 2020? I don't know. You tell me. It should be written down on your notes. (laughs) (laughs) It should be, yeah. Starring Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton, yeah. 2019, actually. Oh. Directed by Dexter Fletcher. Off uh, Lockstock. Dexter Fletcher. Um, Doesn't look like it, Liam. What do you mean, doesn't look like it? What do you mean, off of Lockstock? He was in Lockstock. Dexter Fletcher, was wasn't he? he? I don't know. I don't think he's an actor. Is he not? No, he's a director. I think he Carl was. has not researched this <laughs> at all. Oh, hold on. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you're right. Sorry. 
Yeah, he, he's, he's a food critic on MasterChef. <laughs> <laughs> he's a wine expert. <laughs> um, so Rocket Man obviously follows the life of Elton John, Reginald Dwight. Joey changed. Joey obviously changed his name. He's Reginald Reginald Dwight, wasn't he? Mm. And um, he changed his name to Elton John, but he changed his middle name as well. So he's Elton Hercules John. So if you're gonna do it, <laughs> fucking do it, right? <laughs> What was his and original? He, he really name? did go the distance. <laughs> he found his way. His original middle name was Norman. Reginald Norman Dwight. So he was Reginald Kenneth Dwight, and now he's Sir Elton Hercules John. Why did he change his name? Well, I think if you watch, have you seen Rocket Man? No. It's much. It's a lot about his kind of upbringing, which wasn't terrible in terms of like poverty but it seemed terrible in terms of emotion mm. like um his mum didn't give a shit about him according to the film i don't really i don't i'm not delving into his real life his dad neither of them fostered his talent because i think in the film and you can tell me this is right if you know but it's um when he goes to the raw academy of arts or whatever that a like, really prestigious music school rada is that it yeah, isn't it maybe he plays um <laughs> There's a woman playing the piano, playing like... And someone says to her, how do you know you're not Elton John unless you play a piano? He went, yeah, exactly. And that's how he got the name. And then when he walks in, she starts playing. And then she says, show me what you can do. And he plays the exact same thing, but it stops at the same point. And she says, oh, why did you stop? He goes, oh, because that's where you stopped. Because he can hear music. He doesn't. He's not good at music. We can all hear music, Carl. But he's good at playing what he can... He's got a photographic musical memory. Basically, yeah. But um, it's not photographic, is it? It's more like stereophonic. Phonographic. Phonographic. Ah, that's good. <laughs> and in the film, he's got like a, a... He's good at playing what he's told, but he doesn't. he's not good at coming up with the music, so he's got like a songwriter and lyricist who writes all of his songs, and he, but Bernie only he can play them. Talpin? That's the one. That's the guy, yeah. But um, the reason I bring it up is because he... Um, like his mum was disinterested in him, ashamed of him being gay and all that. Um, his dad used to tell him to like stop playing piano all the time. Although his dad was an avid avid record collector, he was like, "Will you shut up?" and all this kind of shit. Then his dad just walked out on him one day. Fostered a lot of like bad blood, you know. But um, if he hadn't have been through all that adversity, you know, he kept playing and he became Elton John, who's like, you know, he. My wife was like, "Oh, I'd love to see Elton John." I went, "Oh, look, he's touring again." Looked at tickets, three hundred fifty pound a ticket. I was like, mm. "Nah, mate." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just take you to see Rocket Man, darling. <laughs> it was one of those. My wife said, "I'll pay anything to see it." One, John. I was like, "Not three hundred fifty quid, you won't." <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously I'm in no place to judge. I'm nowhere near as successful as Elton John is. But oh, he's about to say Elton John's shit. Have you seen him recently? <laughs> Did you see him do that lockdown thing? Yeah. Right? No. <laughs> Talking about Vic Reeves, he was doing, <laughs> it was basically Vic Reeves' pub singer. He, is, he has definitely lost it. Well, he's bad he enough. can still play piano, but mm. he, he cannot sing. Oh, do you remember when he did um, Stan with Eminem? Mm. He was like, mm. <laughs> so yeah, he may have lost it, but he definitely had it for a long time, for decades, yeah. and... Um, but yeah, if he hadn't overcome that adversity and people were shitting on him, he might not have become Elton Hercules John. So <laughs> I think you need to let this person... Don't clip their wings, let them fly. Mm. Take these broken wings and learn to fly again. Let Hashtag winging it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a band in 1987 called... Wings. 
<laughs> called Wings you with Paul McCartney. Yeah, wrong, wrong, wrong person. Sorry. <laughs> Band on the run. <laughs> uh, called Bros, who, who are actually, they quite astutely noted in their song "When Will I Be Famous." The- when will I? Exactly. There's a call and response in that song. And Tiffany. The response. And Tiffany. (laughs) Tiffany. I've been waiting for this. (laughs) All those lunch times we spent playing darts, revising revising. (laughs) music together. Um, And yes, they very astutely note in the response, you can't answer that. There's no point in trying to answer that. You never know when you're going to be famous. And that's not the point. So if your friend is saying, when will I be famous? Then... You know, you might want to point her in the direction of Bross and say, you can't answer, <laughs> I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you could take a different strategy here. And if, if you're really bothered about this, and I mean, you know, before we go into this, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with you two and say, I think you're being a bit unreasonable. Just leave it to it. But if you don't want to leave it to it and you really want to get into it, you can <laughs> take a different strategy and show your friend that being rich and famous doesn't always sound like it's all that it's cracked up to be. And there's a couple of examples of this. There's uh, in July 1997, there was a posthumous release credited to Notorious B.I.G. Biggie Smalls uh, in a song called "Mo Money Mo Problems," and that's basically that. I'm coming out. That's the backing track. Mm. And that that track is basically about you know the more money you get, the more problems you have. Including the title, really. It's not basically about that. That's literally the lyrics. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, on a the basic more money level, that's what about. <laughs> the more problems you see. So the main the main chorus in this song is, I don't know what they want from me. It's like, the more money we come across, the more problems we see. Don't you hate that problem? Don't you hate that? Yeah, when you have I've, all I've this money. I've got so much money. That I've <laughs> I know. Makes it's my quite pro- a nice problem to have, isn't it? Mm. Having too much money. Oh, I've got oh, too gosh. much money. Oh. God. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I sure. wouldn't wish all this money on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how much you'd be able to convince your friend that being a millionaire is such a bad thing. Uh, but Good Charlotte in 2002 agreed. They made a big point about how the rich and the famous are never really happy in lifestyles of the rich and famous. They're always complaining. They're always complaining. Um, and yeah, you know, they, they basically say fame and fortune don't necessarily make you happy. Um, but, but Good Charlotte also said... Girls don't like boys. Girls like cars and money. So if you're after girls, they're actually contradicting their own message there, Mm. aren't they? They're saying, if you want girls, then you need to get some money. Yeah, but you can't be rich and famous. You could be like a Robin Hood character who steals... From the rich and gives to the ladies. Gets a girl and then gives it away. (laughs) One of those classic characters. (laughs) So Good Charlotte talk about how... Rich and famous people are never happy, but they do make quite a big deal about the perks of being rich and famous. So the lyrics in this song have a number of kind of high-profile celebrity cases in them, uh, such as O.J. Simpson. They talk a bit about his lawyer. In and there's a couple of lines in it where it says, "Well, did you know when you're famous, you could kill your wife, and there's no such thing as 25 to life as long as you've got the pash to pay for Cochran, who was his lawyer, Johnny Cochran." Mm-hmm. Um. And it, there's also a line about a former mayor of Washington, D.C. who was convicted on drug charges. And that line goes, And did you know if you were caught and you were smoking crack, McDonald's wouldn't even want to take you back, but you could always just run for the mayor of D.C. So they are... I didn't realise that song was actually quite deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're giving us mixed messages, I feel like, because it's like, you know, 
oh yeah, they're never happy, but they can get away with anything. So I don't think I've really got a conclusion for you that's going to help here. <laughs> uh, you could try and convince your friend that being rich and famous isn't all it's cracked up to be. But if you do play them these songs, they might think, actually, though, I will be a millionaire and I'll be able to get away with murder. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're, that's why they're trying to be talented, like find a talent so they can get yeah. away. They might want to kill the friend. Oh, they're shit. trying to kill you. You better run for cover. Yeah, Vinny. <laughs> I'm odd though. Yeah. <laughs> so Liam, you're saying try and convince them that being famous isn't all that, and we're kind of saying. Maybe they're not even trying to be famous. Yeah, yeah. Just, just give them, them a chance. Do what let, want. let them do what they got hobbies. Start Liam. Loads of hobbies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Loads of hobby hobbies. Liam. That's what they call him. <laughs> <laughs> loads of hobbies. They call me. The, they call me the hobby horse. Because <laughs> <laughs> people ride you around the square, and I'm always like, nay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent way to leave the episode. <laughs> so, lads, if our listeners only had time for one piece of art that we've recommended today what would you recommend they try i'm gonna go with sorry seems to be the hardest word by Elton john because despite the fact that which version the one with blue or without the one without blue because despite the fact that i ripped the shit out of him a minute ago i do think Elton john is very good and was very good in his day it's just sad that he can't sing anymore Well, we're starting beef with Elton John on this episode. <laughs> well, as a companion piece, I'd say watch Rocket Man after listening oh, to that. Very mm. nice. I feel a bit guilty that my example is not Elton John themed. Yeah. Read Jay Rayner. <laughs> yeah. No, mine will be Stoner by John Williams. Brilliant book. As I say, it's not action packed. So if you came straight from the Bourne trilogy to Stoner, you would be like, what the fuck is this shit? Might be a nice rest. <laughs> yeah, actually. My. Um, Get your energy back after Matt Damon j's in all over your f- <laughs> with, with his laser force. <laughs> and that's probably where we should end it. So yeah. that's all we got time for today. Check the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com to find links to all the media we mentioned today and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all of the songs. If you've got a problem you want us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I would like to thank our resident agony uncles for their contributions. Contributions. Constipation. (laughs) I'm very constituted today. (laughs) Thank them for their contributions. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Liam. De nada. Bueno. (laughs) Kinda bueno. (laughs) And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through. And more entertainment for you to check out. See you later. Bye. 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 But I'd suggest keep it light, cause their advice can be shite, and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all. Not here. But agony are. Agony are. Agony are.